Christine. Hi, Julie. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Um, it's Sunday. I'm going to do a little bit of shopping a little bit later. Me too. Really? Yeah. I kind of have a birthday, sort of, kind of. Uh, right. Well, tell Tell our listeners that don't know why you only kind of have a birthday. Because I am one of the... I don't know what the percentage is, but one of X amount of people that are born on February 29th. So I, I'm a lucky, lucky four is my lucky number every four years. But so there's no 29 in 2022 this year. So I get to kind of celebrate whenever. So I chose to celebrate today because I have some work I got to do for the next couple of days. So I'm a well, I'm, happy, yeah. um, happy birthday that doesn't exist. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, let's yeah, just happen. The good thing about this is if you forget to wish Julie a happy birthday on the 28th, you can do it on the first. We, I have, yes, I have this joke where it's like, there's like a repetition of who, who does it on the 28th and who does it on the first. And typically the people that do it on the first do it on the first every year. And it's just a funny thing. I was like, oh, that's when they remember or whatever. But, um, interesting because Facebook, I think says it's the 28th. So Facebook sends out there's it's Julie's birthday. They sent it on the 28th. That's how Facebook decided to do it in their algorithm. Well, that must be the real way to do it then. Yep. But she's if so Facebook cool. decided that it's the 28th, then it is the 28th it's by the God. the 28th by God. Although what know? does Instagram say? Oh, oh, they don't do anything for birthdays. I don't think, I don't know. That's a good question. There are some, some social media sites way back when, like when I used to have a blog, it wouldn't let me select the 29th. <gasps> even, though, even though I put the year 80, it wouldn't let me select the 29th. Like it, their, Ooh, their system was weird. That's discriminatory. I'm sorry that happened to you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. No, it definitely, fine. it was weird. I was like, wait a minute. I don't want to, I don't. And I think I, I think I chose a different platform. I was like, screw you guys. On other stuff where you have to add your birthday and you put February 29th, does it say air? Or does sometimes, it sometimes it, yes, it does. So what I've learned is I have to put the year first. Cause when it, you usually have to put your birthday. So if you put the 80, I put 1980, then they'll know, okay, there's a 29 in the 80. But if I try to do 29 before the year, it won't, it doesn't, there's no 29. Gotcha. So it knows that 1980 had a leap year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fascinating stuff, man. I never Which is even more that. fascinating to talk about it. Like we can totally mention this is that like, um, in some years, like it's the same, like the, you know, how February 27th this year is a Sunday. So like, when was the last time February 27th was a Sunday in like what calendar year, there's actually a website you can go to and you can type it in and it'll show like, so basically when can you repeat a calendar? So if you buy a vintage calendar from like 1972, you've told me this, we've talked about this. Yes. Like what year can you use it again? It, it really doesn't have anything to do with leap year, but it's kind of an interesting thought. Like all you vintage thrifters out there that I know, you know, I'm as well. Like if you find a really cool calendar or vintage, um, yes, where the days match, mm-hmm. weren't you really into those? The ones that are like, kind of look They're like on a, a towel. Yeah. I have quite the collection of them. One of them's hanging right up behind me, but yes, I I, I think it's really fascinating to me, but there's no, like, there's like a weird mathematical equation that it's hard to kind of figure out. It's very strange. You'd think that it wouldn't be, but it's not just because of the four years, but it's also because like some months have 20, have 30, 31. It's a very, yeah. Cause I, it seems like every seven years, cause there's seven days in a week they would catch up, but then leap year fucks that up. Exactly. 
Yeah. 29. Your darn 29 messes everything it up. It messes everything up. Yes. So here's something that I um, have been wanting to understand. So I Googled it today and I think it's even real. It's like so weird. You're going to love this because it has to do with true crime kind of. Ooh, give it to me. I have been wondering why the unit at a police department that dedicates itself to the fact that human beings have gone missing is mm-hmm. called the missing persons unit. Right. Okay. Why are we saying persons when it comes to criminal stuff, but we say people for everything else? Oh, do you ever say, yeah, I was hanging out and um, there were all these persons there. There were like 25 persons there. No, you don't say that. Right. But you don't also, but then you don't also say missing people. But why don't you say missing people? I don't know. You say, oh, there were 25 people there. But if those 25 people were missing, (laughs) they would then become missing persons. Why? What is the answer to that? Well, the answer is like so weird to me. Okay. So the answer is, um, if you look at the definition of people, it's human beings in general or considered collectively. Okay. Um, But person is an individual. So if there's more than one person, it's more than one individual. More than one named particular individual and they're not technically anonymous? No, it's like people just means all the people. Persons means a group of specific people. Got it. Right. Okay, that actually makes sense. You got it? I don't got it. I think it seems really (laughs) weird. You got it? I don't got it. I think that there's like a political correctness to it, because if you were if you were you had a if you were a family member of somebody that was missing, you would want them to be at the top priority and you would want them to be individualized. You wouldn't want them to be in a category of just people. Okay, you totally nailed it. (laughs) You fucking nailed it, man. I've been like over here feeling like really mind fucked by it. No, you're thank you. You nailed it. That's all there is to say. Really? (laughs) God, I don't my my missing, uh, you know, childhood best friend is not just some people part of these people. She is a person. And you know, I don't have a I don't have any missing persons in my life. Side note that like if I did. Yeah, I would want them to be classified as a person. So, yeah. So, yeah, person (laughs) is an individual human. Mm-hmm. Where people is a group like people that that are members of a certain nation or ethnic group. Mm-hmm. But it still is really bothering. I'm still stuck on the fact that persons means a lot of individuals and people mean just plural groups of humans. It's like still plural. Much, yeah. it's, it still gives me like this little bit of like tension in my chest. <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't seem right. Like they're both groups of people, but persons means groups of individuals. So it's like a way of giving more respect to a person that's missing. Because, and if you think about it, a person that is missing, it's almost like a, it's like they, they matter so much, but when they're missing, there's like this discredit to like them not mattering. And they're not an individual anymore because nobody knows where they are. But when you call them a person or if you lump them in persons, they matter way more. Right. I mean, you have totally nailed it. I'm just sitting here kind of in awe that it makes so much sense to you. And it's coming so easily <laughs> to you. Like I'm tipping my hat because I'm still over here. Like what the fuck? But you know what? You nailed it. And I think that's amazing. And I'm feeling like, like really in awe of you right now. Like you know what I'm feeling right now, I'm feeling like you are a goat. <laughs> 
you are thank you well that's very admirable thank you of you i still think that you're awesome even though this doesn't come it's okay it's a weird thing i get it it's okay no no shade well thank you for still respecting me even though i don't understand this oh you're so welcome this is a podcast where we talk about songs and we talk about the words of the songs. We talk about the lyrics in the songs. We talk about what we think those lyrics mean. And we talk about what other people maybe have thought they've meant over the years. And then we figure out, figure out what they really mean. And it's Julie's turn to pick a song. And do you have a song? I do. I do. I do. I do. I had a lot. I mean, I always say this when I preface it, I'm like, I had so much fun researching this. Um, I have a song for you entitled. Cornflake Girl by Tori uh, Amos. Uh, uh, right. Before we started, you said, I have a song and I'm not sure if you're going to know it. I know. I feel like I that might have, now that I've said it, I hope that wasn't offensive because of course you're going to know it, right? No, I'm, I'm not offended. Okay. Um. Yes, I know this song. I love Tori Amos. I haven't thought about her in a little bit. I have her like on my... Mm. iTunes music shuffle, but yep. Oh, what a good choice. Okay. I have pulled up the lyrics. I am ready. I know I'm excited to dive into this one. Um, yeah, I'm super excited. Let's just like dive on in. We're going to, I'm going to read the lyrics and then we're going to, you know, chat about it. Okay. We ready? Yep. Go. Okay. Never was a cornflake girl. Thought it was a good solution. Hanging with the raisin girls. She's gone to the other side giving us the yo heave ho things are getting kind of gross and i go at sleepy time this is not really this this is not really happening you bet your life it is you bet your life it is honey you bet your life it's a peel out the watchword it's a just peel out the watchword you know she knows what's going on seems we got a cheaper feel now all the sweet ease are gone, gone to the other side with my encyclopedia. They must have paid her a nice price. She's putting on her string bean love. This is not really, this is not really happening. You bet your life. It is honey. You bet your life. It is just peel out the watchword. Never was a cornflake girl. Thought it was a good solution. Rabbit. Where'd you put the keys girl rabbit? Where'd you put the keys girl? All the man with the golden gun thinks he knows so much. Thinks he knows so much rabbit. Where'd you put the keys girl rabbit? Where'd you put those keys? So I first want to preface really quick. When I was doing the research, I was sitting with my daughter, um, and so I was playing numerous songs of hers and clips and live performances. And Zalen's like, mom, is that Fiona Apple? And I was like, good girl. I love you for that because Zalen is very well-versed in Fiona Apple because guys, Fiona Apple is my queen. I, I, Fiona Apple is probably one of my all-time favorites, hands down. So Zalen was like, and I was like, no, it's a really good comparison. She gets compared to a lot because they're piano, vocalist, whatever. So I decided to note that like, you know, pat myself on the back, like my kid knows what's up. Anyway, she was really enjoying it. She was like, God, I really like this mom. Keep So I was playing all these videos and songs and interviews and she was really enjoying it. So we might have a new Tori Amos fan, which is fun. So I'm going to ask you, Christine, do you know what the term cornflake girl means? I don't. Okay. Do you mean in general or for purposes of this song? Is it, does it have a general meaning? It does. Yes. Oh, no, I don't. I don't know what that, what cornflake girl means. Okay. So let's talk about what you think the song means. What do you, when you first heard it, tell me your, your take. It's interesting because um, this album and and I, I'm not, I'm not a huge, like, you know, his, I'm not like a historian on Tori Amos, but 
much of her music is about some pretty serious issues like um, sexual abuse, domestic violence. Lots of her music is about questioning different religions. She has a song I love, Playing with the Nuns Out in the Yard is one of the lines. Oh, is it God? Is it called God? Um, Yeah. She has a couple of songs that I feel like are like, she does cross the religious boundary yeah. in her songs a lot. You're right. Agreed. Yep. Even even specifically Catholicism, which resonates with me. I don't know if she was a Catholic, but mm-hmm. anyway, so I thought that Cornflake Girl was another song about like being marginalized. You know, I, I understood it as like I didn't really fit in with the Raising Girls. I didn't fit in with the crowd. Right. Um, but now that you read it, I... I actually just Googled watchword because I didn't mm-hmm. know what that word meant. Yep. She says it's a peel out the watchword. Mm-hmm. And watchword is a word or phrase expressing a person's or group's aim or belief. Yep. Which only makes me more confused. Uh-huh. Um, oh, this is so fun. Yeah, I had to Google it as well. I didn't know watchword. I was like, what is what is a watchword? Is it even did she make it up? What yeah. And her saying this is not really happening kind of makes me think about um like disassociating with your body when something traumatic is happening. Oh, okay. Um, but okay. I might just think that because I know she writes about trauma. Right. But I have to say, you reading these makes me think, oh my God, uh, I don't have any idea. The rabbit reference uh, makes me think of Alice in Wonderland. Okay. Okay. I don't know. Rabbit, where did you put the keys, girl? Or maybe that's like a pet name that somebody called her when she was a child. Oh, you're okay. You're diving. Okay. Okay. I want to say this. I've seen Tori Amos live. Mm-hmm. And my takeaway, what I always say about her is that she makes love to a piano. Oh, she bones it like crazy. She's she just in that piano. <laughs> it's incredible. She has a lot of like sexual energy, I feel like. Their lips very sensual in her demeanor and when she mm-hmm. performs. Yep. She and the way she well. interviews, she kind of leans in softly. Oh, really? I don't her think interview is the way her mannerisms in her interviews are also very sensual, where she's almost like gearing up to make out with the interviewer. Like she's Who flirty. She like she is with the piano. She's very good for you, girl. Yeah. Okay. So oh my gosh, give it to me. I want to know what cornflake girl means. Give it to me. Okay. This is going to be so fun. I loved hearing your take and your analogy. That was awesome. Like this is going to make it even more fun. Okay. So a little bit about Tori. She um, was raised in um, Baltimore, Maryland. Oh no, excuse me. She grew up in North Carolina and then later her family moved to Baltimore. Her father was a preacher. Ah, of course he was. Yep. So that's where a lot of those religious things come in. And she mentions her dad a lot in like lightheartedness one of them was she was talking about um having a love relationship with her best friend or one of her really good friends who she calls like a wife and she's like oh I hope my dad's not listening he's probably you know but he's actually been he's a big supporter anyway so at five five years old she became the youngest person to me to be admitted to the Peabody Conservatory of Music where she studied classical piano from 1968 to 1974 in 1974, when she was 11, she was asked to leave due to her liking of rock music and refusal to read sheet music. 
So she was kicked out of this like classical music program when she was 11, but she continued. She was still like a really huge, like she, her first love has been piano. She started playing piano when she was two and a half. Oh my goodness. Yes. So her background is classical musically trained and all of her songs is either just her and a piano or her piano, obviously, and other things. Like there's not a whole lot of song. I mean, I don't think any of her music has any, like it's always her at the piano. So the song- think of other there's some string instruments maybe mm-hmm. like violins yeah. even okay okay mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no like drums or percussion are there in some of her older stuff or newer stuff i think yeah like i think boys for pele had a lot more like ah. harder stuff yeah she does but you're right it's mostly like you know instrumental there are sometimes when when she goes on tour sometimes she goes on tour with the band sometimes she goes solo and if you're lucky enough to see her solo it's pretty captivating i have seen her play a couple times i think i've seen her with an art a a band and then without um but you're right she makes she makes out with that piano it's incredible yeah i only saw her once and she did not have a band Mm -hmm. but okay wow so she's the real deal she really is. She's incredibly, incredibly skilled with the piano. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, so her, this song, um, Cornflake Girl, was the first single off her second album, Under the Pink. Her first album was Little Earthquakes. And so this album, Under the Pink, it was released in January of 1994. So this song was inspired. So it was in, what got her wheels running, inspired her to write this particular song is, okay, so it was inspired by the book, Possessing the Secret of Joy by Alice Walker. Do you know this book? I do not. I know who Alice Walker is, but I do not know that book. I knew you were going to know the author. So it details the practice of female genital mutilation in Africa. Shut up. Yeah. So Amos was discussing it with a friend. She said, quote unquote, we were talking with talking about the fact that women are betrayed by a grandmother, mother, or an older sister or friend into taking you into this butchery. So women, that's part of the book is they, they highlight in this book that women are like coached from their, like by their like close companions or people that they know and trust into getting this procedure, having genital mutilation, which is mind blowing. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. So she says, okay. So, um, so women that you trust most are taking you into this butchery. And we had a term for those people, those, those girls that would turn on you, that wouldn't be there for you, that would maybe express something you didn't trust them with and really let you down a complete wreckage. She says, those girls were called cornflake girls. Okay. Hold on. Let me understand this better. Mm-hmm. Older women would um, bring younger women in for this procedure. Like this is your rite of passage or this is what you have to do. Right. Or their sisters or their friends, depending on the circumstance. So basically women that they really, really trusted. And so out of that, I guess the term cornflake girls was born. I don't know if that term was like coined in this woman's book or, but it's actually like pretty common. Like when you Google cornflake girl, like, yes, it's basically like the mean girls, the bully. So it started from women that you trust, but really betrayed you. Okay. And so the cornflake kinda... girl is who convinced you to go to get this done. Correct. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that I think is where um, this is not really happening is coming from. So you're right about how like, you're like, what you said, what you said, what you thought it was. It's like, yeah, like these women are like, this is not really happening. Oh, it's happening. You trusted this girl. 
and she is, you know, bringing you into a circumstance where you are going to be mutilated. This is happening. Mm-hmm. Intense, right? Very you intense. Know, I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to take that in. Can you tell me again the name of Alice Walker's book? Yes. Yeah, so it is possess- Possessing the Secret of Joy, which okay. I'm very curious about too. I, I kind of, I guess I forgot to kind of dive more into that book because there was a lot of intel in, in my research and in interviews that Tori Amos did about the inspiration of the song. So I didn't really dive into the book, but I am curious to know more about the book. So the cereal bowl, like reference, like the name cornflake girl is used as a metaphor for division among women. The cornflake girls are closed-minded while the raisin girls are open to new ideas. So honey, let's ask, were you a cornflake girl growing up? And are you a cornflake girl now? Or were you a raisin girl? And are you a raisin girl now? I would say I was probably a cornflake girl until the second I graduated from high school. Something like very much changed in me immediately after getting out of school. I think part of that, you know, going to going to an all girls school can contribute to that, too. And then you break that chain when you grow when you graduate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really easy for me to think about this because I went to an all girls school. Right. So mm-hmm. picturing me in high school, was I a cornflake girl or was I a raisin girl? I was a cornflake girl. I don't think there was anything I did that was very rebellious or stood out. There was a group of girls in my high school that I was really envious of. They kind of like cut their hair short and were like kind of punk. And I didn't do that. I didn't do anything special with my appearance. Um, so it's real easy for me to think about that. Cause I went to school with only women. Right. Um, and I went to Catholic school my whole life. So even in grade school, it wasn't all women, but it was Catholic school. And I, I definitely didn't rebel or no, but as soon as I got out into the world and specifically, I remember my freshman year of college, taking a philosophy class mm-hmm. where we touched on a lot of ideas about feminism, mm-hmm. um, just completely changed me, completely oh, changed me. Mm-hmm. And I can see Tori Amos was probably never a cornflake girl if she got kicked out of a prestigious musical school for rebelling at the age of 11. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking Tori, this girl is a raising girl from the start. And I kind of feel, Julia, like you have always been a raising girl. Yeah, you're right. Definitely. That's why this song resonates with me so much. Resonates. It's because, yeah, I was all, I mean, this, when I, yeah, raising girl to the fullest extent, to the point where I can name all of the, the moments in my, in my life where I really had to be a raising girl, like where I felt like the only way I could get through the day was to stick to being a raising girl because I can name the cornflake girls and what kind of bullshit they would do and what kind of bullshit they would put me through and my colleagues through. Like I being a raising girl is what has gotten me to where I am now. Honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole of like serious, like coming of age. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I wanted to wear the combat boots to, to my, to my senior prom because at first it was because I, I felt like I had to, to prove a point. And then it was because I wanted to, but a lot of this, a lot of the decisions I made when I was in high school, mainly high school. And up until this point has been because no one else is doing it or because I don't want anybody else to do the same thing or because I don't want to do whatever else is doing. Like it's a lot of it has to do with being the raisin girl. 
Do you know what I mean? Do you think that, um, were you bullied like in grade school or middle school? Middle school and high school. Middle school was, was the, was when it's, yeah. Cause I switched schools in the middle of like, you know, right, right before sixth grade, I switched to school and then I switched back and yeah, I was And high school was brutal. All you high school people are listening. If you're listening to me, fuck you. Yeah. I know that your high school experience was absolutely horrible. I know that. And I, that hurts when I think about that. I'm so sorry. Oh, thank you. I think it, well, I was going to say, do you think being bullied made you more of a raising girl or were you a raising girl? And so you got bullied. I think a little bit of both. I definitely think both. Um, I think in middle school, it transformed me into becoming a raising girl because I knew that I could not, I couldn't hang otherwise because I just couldn't jump on the bandwagon of being that way. And that way was picking on people, laughing at people, talking behind their backs. Like those things, it's just, it didn't sit well with me. Not to say that like all cornflake girls did that. I'm just saying that like, that was like my experience. And so when I got to high school, I was like, I, I, I don't want to, I don't, I want to do this. I want to do that. And it just kind of became this thing. And luckily I, we had some pretty supportive parents. They were like, okay, I'll buy you some combat boots for prom or okay. You want to wear these really high neat silver boots or whatever, you know, they were allowed me to be expressive right. and, and my private school wasn't as strict on a dress code. I mean, I'd went to private, but it was co-ed. It's interesting but I, it's yeah. like being bullied could move somebody more into cornflake girl. Like, Hey, I'm being bullied. So I'm going to become completely like everybody else so that I just blend in and I'm not bullied. But for you, it brought you further and further into your own individuality, which I think is very commendable because a lot of people would have just been like, okay, let me just conform. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. And there's, there's a lot, you know, it's ironic that I just saw the musical um, mean girls with mom last week, which was, it's a musical based off the movie that Tina Fey did about, you know, it's like a, a humorous take on bullying. And yeah, you see the main character. She conforms to be a cornflake girl. And then she, her her true friends are like, this isn't you. This is not who you are. And she kind of breaks free of that and is able to say, OK, no, I'm more like this. I, I want to wear clothes like this. And there's a it's really hard, I think, for a lot of people to be able to um, not conform because, yeah, sometimes it is just easy to just like jump on that bandwagon and just be a part of that because it's easy or maybe it's not easy. Maybe it is really hard or who knows which one is easier, which one's harder. But I do think that there's, you know, a lot of, um, struggle with teenagers and adults too. There's numerous times, especially as being a, a creative business owner, you know, I don't, I don't want to make videos, but I have to, because that's, what's going to boost awareness. You know what I mean? Like we have to kind of conform to certain ways, but we can do it our own way. Sure. There's a, there's a new avenue of being able to be a raisin or to be a cornflake girl by jumping on the bandwagon and doing what everyone else is doing. But, you know, on your own way in order to, you know, succeed, because I think that's what's happening right now. We have to follow these rules, especially if you want to be successful in the entrepreneur world. So it's interesting. Yeah. And yeah, I think Tori Amos was definitely she said, you know, I've I'm I was I've definitely was a raising girl. And she says that a lot of her inspiration, most of her inspiration for the album under the pink, it's it basically her first album, little earthquakes was a lot about being a victim. And like you said, she talks a lot about her trauma and her second album under the pink. It, it celebrates no longer being a victim. So she tackles emotional is issues like violence between women. And she says, there's so much violence between women. We don't talk about that much. We talk about the guys all the time. 
So her freshman album, Little Earthquakes, is about the struggles with her rape and with her religion. And so she said, I put women on a pedestal that wouldn't that we wouldn't do this to other to each other. And really, like we do. And so she's she was interviewed on MTV and they, she said, what is under the pink? And she said, under the concept of girl is what under the pink means. So Mm-mm-mm. under the pink is like, you know, under this blanket of women and, you know, us women, we either like, well, like we support each other or we de- demoralize them and we like put them under this like pink blanket of shame or guilt or abuse or things like that. And she's like, I get disappointed when women don't stick up for other women. Like, I think that that's a shame. We need to stick up for other women. We can't be mean to each other. So that's kind of, I know, right. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. If you think about it. I mean, of course, cause it's Tori Amos, but um, yeah, she is a big spokesperson for advocism in, you know, the the me too movement which when we in the 90s there wasn't really there it was really just like um abuse so there's an organization called rain rape abuse yeah. informed in 1994 it's a toll-free hotline in the u.s that connected victims to rape crisis and centers and so um she had a tragic incident when she was 22 so she speaks out about it she actually answered the very first the ceremonial very first call she became famous as a singer-songwriter she she was kind of like a she was in acting very brief. So she appeared in a Kellogg's just right commercial. She plays piano in the commercial. And ironically, she beat out Sarah Jessica Parker for the part, which is funny, but it's just very ironic that she goes on to do a song called cornflake girl. And oh, she did that commercial before she did the song. Yeah. Quite a few years. Yeah. And it has no relation and the record label kind of wanted to do like an irony thing. So they released a limited number of cereal boxes with her name on them. And they're now collectible items like record labels used to do a lot of really fun promotional stuff. Like when I worked at record stores, I would get some really fun stuff. And so they they released these like Kellogg's or these uh, cornflake boxes with her face on it. And they're like collectibles. I couldn't find any on eBay. I wanted to know what they were going for, but I couldn't find any. That's really strange now that we know what cornflake girl means. Like, it's kind of. Yeah, it is kind of. I think it. Yeah, I think it. It is a little weird. I think the reason is, is because when you get a box of cornflakes that, that come with raisins, there's more cornflakes than raisins in, in the box, right? Like typically you're like trying to find the raisins. So it's oh, like, yes. are there many, it's kind of like, um, yeah, when you get a box of lucky charms, like, are you going to get, are you going to be the charms or the, or the marshmallows? Did you know that you can buy the marshmallows separately now? Like I a bag just that. of marshmallows? I Amazon. did not know that. Interesting. Did you know that you can buy like um, Sour Patch Kids and like buy like 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 specific colors online? Like if you only want the pink Sour Patch Kids, you can buy the, only the pink Sour Patch Kids. No, my kids Good love Sour Patch Kids. In what fact, my I, kid? I've put them in their stockings, like even into their adulthood. I don't think I did this year, but. That's good to know. It is good to know. Do you want to know what the rabbit in the song reference? I was just going to say that, yeah. but I was afraid to put you on the spot. I was afraid you might say no. Well, I, don't I, I kind of don't know because the, what I do know is like the silliest quote, but I'm going to quote it because it just encompasses like the whimsy wittiness of Tori. Okay. So according to new NME, NME magazine, she, somebody asked, what is the reference? And she said, rabbit is someone that I knew a fantastic magical creature that would live in the woods that would work maybe six months of the year with her partner who was Fox. 
They were rabbit and fox. They would live in the woods of Oregon. I'm talking about the great woods, not just a park. And they would live in the wilds. So rabbit living in the wilds with fox. I thought that was romantic. Okay, but awesome. really, I, I think it's just a ref. It's just a silly reference. According her fans believe it's something to do with Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> That's what I said. Right. Exactly. That's like the, you know, if you go on like the forums of Tori Amos fans, they say, oh, yeah, it's a reference to. But okay, she's so- saying that it's like this whimsical, like rabbit and fox that live in the woods. But it still but doesn't. The quote started as if they were real things. Yeah. Rabbit is someone that I knew. A fantastic. Yeah, that I knew. Magical what? creature that would live in the woods. <laughs> Tori. I want, you know what? I bet Tori's entire front yard is those little like fairy things. Like yes. I was just thinking, I was like, she's in her house cooking some pot brownies with gnomes all over her front yard. And she's got a bunch of like hummingbird bath things. And she's just munching on her pot brownies, thinking about her best friend, rabbit and fox in the woods. 